one of the most important things in my life has always wanted to remain like humble and normal and not come from a place of status in in a social world and navigating that I think is really tough at times actually. Hello and welcome back to Mindful Warrior Radio. Mindful Warrior Radio is a space we created to connect with incredible humans to share brave stories, authentic insight, and real knowledge. I'm so happy to have you join us today. My name is Cami Craig. I'm a former elite athlete, Olympic champion, turned performance and culture design coach at Mindful Warrior. And I'm your host at Mindful Warrior Radio. Today on Mindful Warrior Radio, we welcome professional surfer, personality, coach, and mental health advocate, Alex Gray. Alex loves being uncomfortable in foreign environments where surfing is his bond between adventure, culture, and new experiences. Alex has insight and a unique perspective on overcoming fear, facing adversity, healthy living, being and bringing your best, and connecting with your true authentic voice. I am so excited and thrilled to tap into the insight and experience of good friend Alex Gray on today's episode of Mindful Warrior Radio. Alex, I am incredibly excited to have you on Mindful Warrior Radio. We have had many of conversations, challenging conversations, hopeful conversations, and it's about time that we press record on this and capture it. So I'm, I'm happy to have you here. I think that, you know, the more that I was, I know you, we, we have a friendship, we have a relationship, but the more that I was kind of listening in on some recent interviews that you've done and even doing a bit of like the research of the back end research, I'm realizing that we've walked pretty similar paths and especially in these last few years, some similar steps as we are the same age. We have had the same kind of timeline in a elite and professional athletic career. We both were you know, you were in surfing. I was in water polo for about 20 years. We both retired around the same time. And I think that's kind of when we really crossed paths and just started having some conversations of like, what is life after being an elite or professional athlete? Like, what does this look like? How do you, how do you do this? How do you make this thing up? What are the next steps? And so I definitely want to touch on some of that today. And a little bit about what has your transition been like? I know that you just had an epic trip and experience eight months in Tavaru, Fiji, which, you know, may have been, you've been home for some time now, but not only was that probably an insane adventure and like an ideal place to be, but you shared that it was actually quite healing as well. So I want to definitely dive into that but I'm just glad to have you here and to have this conversation and to share your insight and your wisdom and your experience and everything that you, you call life and everything you're going through. Well, cool. Cammy. Thanks for having me on really good FaceTimes in Privado. Now we're going to go Publico. I just got a uh, Espanol Spanish learning book. So there might be a couple of, I'm have relapses here where you might hear me throw out a Spanish word. It's welcome. 
It's yeah. welcome. I want you to know that um, I you can failed. Espanol now. You can say, you can offer that. You could, but I, I failed out of Spanish. And I remember going to Mr. Boss, my Spanish teacher. I had just transferred schools. And I said, what can I do to get my Spanish grade up? And he said, your F is so low. Um, I suggest that you just drop the class. And I was like, cool. Went into sign language, got an A++, like killed it, visual learner, but Spanish wasn't my deal. So you might be alone in that conversation, Alex. But what's messed up there, though, is that you didn't have an F. He went that your F is so low. <laughs> You know, like I just tried to understand, well, what does that mean? Like, what percentage does that take you to it as so low F? Whatever, guy. Hey, sign language, that's cool. It is cool. No, absolutely. Do you still uh, do? I, I know like the alphabet, like I could like s- spell everything out for you, but there's a lot of signs in sign language that are like your shortcuts that mean more than just like actually the word. The spelling out the words letter yeah. for letter, right? That's cool. Yeah, but that was an easy thing for me to pick up. Visual learner. You got to know how you learn. And my brain doesn't work like everyone else's. So I give you an A plus. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I want to start, Alex, by asking you and kind of like broadly, here, here you are probably what, four years out of retirement? Five years? Can you land that for me? Retirement. That's so crazy. I've never actually used that word. Really? No, my friend teases me with X Pro. I love it. Does that land for you? X Pro. It's great. I think you're pretty much an all star in a lot of ways. So this whole like X Pro thing doesn't really land for your personality for me, but it's one title. It's one way we can call it. I mean, okay. So you've been retired for a few years now. And I'm just kind of curious as we've, we've shared some conversations, you know, my clunkiness, I'm going to come alongside of you quite a bit in this conversation and kind of the things, the learnings and, and understandings of yourself as you go through this transition from, I don't know, I would say athlete to civilian life. I kind of want to tap into what has that experience been like for you? I think, you know, what's funny is you just stating that, that used to like really sting And I would immediately get protective and find some way to navigate the conversation that I don't think I was retired or ex-pro or whatever fun label want to put on this Mm -hmm. because my identity was so wrapped around it for 20 years that I felt that it was, you know, like I had failed and it was always such a hard thing when people would bring up, you know, like, so what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, God, that's the most loaded question ever. You, you actually have no clue what you just asked. And so I think the transition, well, it's, it's come in two phases. One was just the identity aspect. And then the next was the emotional aspect. The identity was, you know, I think ego driven and simply took time. The emotional aspect was centered around fear and the worry of, I mean, what's next is, is one way to put it, you know, like people always ask, well, what are you going to do next? But for me, it's the, how it was the, the, how I was going to move forward. And I have a very, uh, methodical brain that will not stop, can't stop, won't stop. Mm -hmm. And so it was cool because I got to speak with someone like you who simply could relate 
um, it's strange to put it in this aspect, but it was really hard for me to conversate with people during, I would say three or four years. For sure. What I was struggling with wasn't reality for society's struggles. And even at our age range to be doing it between 30 and 35, it's funny. I reflect, I'm like, oh, this is what people normally do between 20 and 25. That's right. And, and so I'm 10 years later and most of my friends are in their secure job that they're probably going to have the rest of their lives. Most are in a family household with an income that's also secure and on, you know, phase four of whatever the United States tells us to do since we're five years old. And I'm like, uh, you know, and a crazy piece was my dad came to me one day and he's like, what about going to college? And I was having these like true, like forks in the road where I'm like, wait, what did you just say? Cause I didn't go to college day after high school. I left and I pursued the surfing tour and yeah, it was just overwhelming. I was lost for sure. And I feel like I didn't have a sense of self, you know, and I think maybe you can relate to this as athletes. We have times where we're overly confident in life, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whether it's real or a bit of what we show up with because it helps us perform. And that was like taken away and I was exposed. Oh my God. Do you mean me? Actual me has to walk right now. So I'm going to sit and go on all of these long rants and raves and I'll stop now because I need you to be able to ask your questions. I'm good at talking without breathing. So here we are and I'll let you pick back up with all that I just said. Well, okay. First of all, I love that you talk without breathing because you have such great words and you're so articulate and you share from the source of realness and directly from your heart. What I've learned to know and learn about you, Alex, is that there's no bullshit. Like you get what you get with Alex. And that's why I appreciate your words. And that's why I'm happy to have you on because I know you're going to, you're going to shoot it real with me. I will say this. It's really interesting because everything that you are sharing right now, it, it resonates and it lands and it's like, you know, almost verbatim what I have felt and experienced at different times within my transition with a 13 year career with the women's U S national team into, you know, what is next And I think what's interesting about being a professional athlete or elite athlete is you are so overdeveloped in certain aspects, in certain ways you're, you're put in high pressure, high intense environments that only a small percentage of the world get to experience. And I'm talking about, you know, some of the remote places and the waves that you've been able to surf and even competing in the finals of an Olympic games. Not a lot of people get to do what we have experienced. And the other side of that is that you're incredibly underdeveloped in certain aspects that the world has had much time and repetition to establish and create. And so I experienced for myself personally, this insane imbalance as soon as I stepped away from my role as an athlete. And you use the word overwhelmed, like 
insanely overwhelmed. You almost simplified it. You're like, there was kind of the emotional part, right? And then the mental part of it. I'm like, I was overwhelmed by it all. Like the thought of making a decision and having it not be black and white or work out. Like it was like, literally I had one job. I had to show up to the pool, put on my bathing suit and become the best water polo player in the world. Like there wasn't a lot that came with that. Right. Except for like, how far are you going to push yourself in this one lane? How far can you take it? How great can you become? How skilled can you be? And there's a lot of things again, that you develop in that, but this idea of starting over and thinking about, you know, what's next was insanely overwhelming. And I think there was so much that I could potentially have gone into or moved towards that. It made it almost even more overwhelming because I didn't know myself. I didn't know what my wants or my desires or, you know, what was going to fulfill me, what was going to be exciting, how I was going to exist in some of these spaces. Um, and so I'm curious of, do you feel like you knew yourself at all in, in this kind of transition or the shift for you? What was that experience like? Have you had to learn who you are in a different way? What's, what's kind of coming up for you there? Well, the, the immediate tough part was really realizing Um, really financially, because losing the golden ticket of sponsorships was that I was going to have to let go of a bit of my obsession with surfing. And that I didn't know how to do. Uh, Understanding that I was going to have to, at some point, find reality within the next step was very apparent. But like, the idea of my love of the sport needed to change that I, I, I'm still trying to work through that. Um, and it's fun because at this point at 35, I think that an easy thing to do when a journey ends abruptly, unexpectedly, um, where you feel like there's still more gas in the tank, that you still had more performances to um, do, was to not end with bitterness mm-hmm. towards just living in that moment in time where the cord is cut. And I didn't want the chapter to have anything to do with my the reason why this all started, which was I was a little kid that, um, I already used this word, but truly unexpectedly found surfing. We did it with junior lifeguards at home. My parents didn't surf, yeah. uh, playing a lot of sports and then surfing came around because my brother did it and it, it literally was like that simple. And it consumed me like at 10 years old, like I literally, it was the best thing that I had ever felt. And it, it took me over in a way that I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I began really at that age, like navigating my life so that I could schedule surfing in daily, trying to convince a friend's mom to take me to the beach, my grandma, my mom, 
getting my homework done. So I had 15 minutes of light to make it to the beach to catch one wave. And I was like 10 years old, beginning to schedule my life around surfing. That's insane. And then two years later, I had a sponsor, Volca, call our, our, our machine at our house. Hey, give us a phone call. And I was allowed with, I believe, a, the um, background and personality that I had to then like truly like shape my life around surfing, like since I was really 12 years old. So then at 32, it was like, holy moly, I, I'm going to have to let go of really what, what I had was I was able to do whatever I wanted with it. And I thought that that meant that I needed to stop traveling because I got a phone call from my financial advisor a year later saying, dude, <laughs> you can't travel to 18 countries every year for the rest of your life spending X amount of money. And I'm like, I can't. And he's like, like, we'll sell some stocks. He's like, no, like we need to have like a talk. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. And, and this was like time to be an adult moment. Um, so I stayed home for a year. I, uh, I created a website and I picked three things that I thought would make me happy to move forward with in life, to try to make money, but also, well, there was a volunteer service and I chose uh, surf guiding. Like I wanted to curate trips mm -hmm. so that travel with surfing that was paid for but it was going to come from a place of service as well as sharing um being surfing is a very individual sport yeah i didn't have the team aspect that you did and something that i was ready to finally do was share my secrets for mm -hmm. your fear that someone was going to take them and do better than me with them mm. yeah <laughs> um public speaking was the next um something that i had done uh, sporadically every year with when it fit within my schedule that was really at high schools and middle schools. Um, and then I always had an idea of creating some type of way that surfing could help people in pain. My, uh, relatability with that was grief mm -hmm. with the loss of, uh, uh, my brother. And so I created a surf therapy at um, my local beach that I was going to do one that I ended up doing one a month for 18 months straight. Um, all of this found a bit of a ball rolling. It kept me busy. I found purpose financially. It, it was working. <laughs> right. And then COVID hit and all of that ended. So then I was back to square one and yeah, that was another hiccup in the road. Yeah. I found stability a bit, although it was filled. It was very anxious stability because it was what I wanted to do, but I don't know if I found like grounding in it all. And then COVID hit and took it all away. And then I was really like forced to sit and go like, dude, what are you doing? Like, have you found happiness? And 
what unexpectedly happened, and this is where I realized, I call it self-sabotage, but what I do is hustle. And when my back's pushed against a wall, I know how to perform. Yep. So life was pushing me against a wall. Mm-hmm. I was performing and I wouldn't allow any space to let life in what I believe is, and there is a natural course for all of us, but I don't know how to operate like that. I want to be in control and I will always find a way out of um, being pinned. Yep. And that's a sense of what I was doing with what I just explained, although all of it was out of authenticity and, and, you know, trying to explore real value in what I feel I had to offer, mm-hmm. not go to college and find some crazy thing that I was worried, you know, if I made a decision that large and committed to it, because I hate being somebody who doesn't um, complete what they set out to do. Mm-hmm. I was worried that if I chose something that I would end up down a road of unhappiness because it was the way that most people would find an out, you know, going to school, I don't know, finding a government job, just name what is a normal path. I just, I'm not normal. And that would drive me insane. So what happened unexpectedly is, yeah, I got to go to Fiji to take a group surfing. Uh, The country was locked. I was supposed to be there for two weeks. I ended up staying for 292 days. Oh my gosh. I had, this is interesting. You know, when you're like wondering if where you're supposed to be in life is correct. Mm -hmm. Because I was single without a family, my home was rented. It was paying itself off. I, I had the financial stability there to like be gone Mm -hmm. and it was really actually taking a moment that I was probably not going to make money for a few months but I realized I had this fantasy unfolding in front of me that would be any surfers including my own to be at one of the most coveted waves in the world but with no one there and Yeah, it was unreal. And it was, it's one of my favorite places. It's somewhere I've always been grateful to have connections with. What was interesting was the, the fantasy of the waves I was going to ride is what I was like licking my chops at. Right. What it forced me to do with my monkey brain was simplify. And where I was in hustle mode of just throwing things out, I would call it over hustling at that point. Like it wasn't healthy and it was really out of fear. Life, this is so funny. There's two, this is twice this has happened in my life. 10 years prior, I was on a a world qualifying series circuit to get on the world tour. And I got this crazy infectious disease called pleurisy. I was in a contest in Sunset Beach and one of the nights of it, it felt like I was having a heart attack. Mm. So I came home, I went to the hospital. I had fluid in the lining of my, uh, there's a pleural lining of your lung. I ended up being in emergency room for 12 days, like almost died as taking it too far, but it was, I was on, on my way. Mm. Couldn't surf for four months. Randomly, the sanctioning ASP tour took all my points away because I didn't put my membership January 1st in on time while I was in the emergency room. It's, it's um, the points roll over every year. So they like, at that point took my life away. I was scared shitless at 22 years old, tried to return to competition, was so 
pissed off at life and them that I lost all enjoyment for even showing up. And my Volcom at the end of the year is like, Hey dude, seeing who you are and what this has done to you, we don't want you to, we want you to take a year away from it. And they basically gave me a blank check and asked like, has there been anything you've ever wanted to do that you haven't had the time for because you've been so oriented around competition? Wow. I had always flirted with like kind of the um, mystical aspect of travel surfing to big waves and just those images and stuff that I oohed and awed over as a kid in magazines. And I'm like, yeah, there's places I want to visit. And I, I think in the big wave world, there's things that I want to challenge myself with. Mm-hmm. That year I ended up performing on a big wave platform unbeknownst to me was looked at the most successful year of my life. My existing contracts got ripped up. My salaries all got increased and my life changed for the better from one of the most adverse times I've still experienced in life. And, um, it was crazy. Like that was a time where life like tried to kill me to pull me away from what wasn't the course that I was supposed to be on. Right. And so I learned to, you know, there's blessings in disguise. This Fiji thing happened. And because I had been through that before, I immediately recognized Mm. it it was such, it it was such an anomaly that was literally never going to happen again. And I was one of very like slim people that was chosen to be there during then. I'm like, oh my God, here we go again. I'm having like a life moment that is out of my control yep and i need to let go and let whatever it is unfold and get out of my own way to to see what this is and be very very conscious of my thinking during it and also how i treat myself through it because i just knew that there was this was probably going to be one of like the biggest growing moments in my life, not just like the surf fantasy, but I was going to find some crazy like perspective. Did you feel that in the front end of your trip or did you, was that kind of evolved at the longer that you settled in and realized that the time was expanding, you were going to spend more time there than you anticipated? Like, was uh, there an immediate surrender or did was this something you worked towards and in kind of as you sunk in, realized that, wow, there's something bigger going on here. Well, the main thing was, is I thought I'd be there for a couple months and I'm like, okay, I have this time right now. What are the things that, because I'm busy, I use excuses to not do. First thing that I thought of was my health. It's so funny. I guess I have insomnia. I've never looked it up, but I, I, with my radical anxiety, just don't sleep well. I wake up like 15 times a night. Oh my gosh. I think with the traveling, I've never had a sleep schedule. So this was going to be like the first thing I thought of, I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on my sleep as funny as it is to even hear me say that. So I started going to bed at like eight o'clock. I was also getting up at five to hopefully surf every day. Um, because that was a part of the program. (laughs) But I got on my first ever sleep schedule. And then it became very apparent that being on an island 
in the South Pacific, you're exposed to mother nature, which means the waves aren't good every day. And there was going to be runs of, you know, a week that the surf wasn't going to be good. So what was I going to do without that? And I was like, there's a little gym. I'm like, wow, I'm going to go to the gym. So I've used an incredible trainer, Peter Park, through my injuries mm-hmm. and have, I know a bit of gym work, but I don't. So I just started off like biking, push-ups, sit-ups. Like my goal was just to be an hour in the gym because you're on an island. Like the last thing you want to do is go in a gym. So, and the gym is not something that you have incorporated into your life as an athlete. It's been like training has just been like surfing. And then you've had obviously PT rehab. You've, you know, had injuries that you've had to work out with, but like being in the gym consistently hasn't been a part of your program typically. No, I just have never enjoyed the gym, honestly. Like so much of my exercise has been filled with nature movement and visuals that I get into a gym and, and I'm like, man, I just don't, I don't get excited when I walk in the door. Understood. Yeah. (laughs) I've, I've done like alternate, honestly, like one of the best things I've felt for surfing is bike riding. Mm-hmm. So I do, when I was in my phases, especially during the big wave stuff, like I was doing a lot of cycling, um, paddling and then yoga, mm-hmm. but like actual gym work nah, has never really been a part of my, uh, routine. So you so- find yourself heading towards the gym on this tiny Island where when the surf's going off, it's going off. But when it's not, you're not in that hustle that you were talking about prior to getting to this moment, right? This kind of environment, this hustle environment that you created to help kind of continue to push this energy and this kind of survival within yourself. Like, it sounds like you're having to like really slow down and figure out and give attention to what it is that you want to serve within yourself. So you're now walking into a gym. Well, yeah, I just realized there was, you know, there was going to be an outcome from this moment in time. And I wanted to make it a betterment of my life. Like I wanted to come out of it, not with, yeah, I scored perfect waves. I wanted to come out of it like ready to face the world again, I guess you could say with like knowing myself more. Yep. And taking the time to understand what triggers me to feel like I have to do something. Mm -hmm. And is, is the reason, what is the reason behind that? You know, is, is it identity? Is there ego involved? Is it actual purpose? It's bettering my life. Like, what am I doing with my daily habits that is going to have like actual life longevity? Yep trying then acting on reactive haste to survive that day or thrive that day. Right. And, and having a bigger picture mentality, understanding that it's not about today and tomorrow, but like now I'm not a teenager. I'm not in my twenties anymore. It's time to look towards like life, Mm -hmm. creating habits that set me up yeah. Longevity is what I began to think about. A big thing that I stopped less of was drinking alcohol. Yeah. I really like beer and beer after surfing is amazing. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't think I've ever had an actual issue with alcohol, but it's been a part of my life. Right. Especially having a beer. And so I stopped and then I started kind of watching what I was eating. And the crazy thing is it took like a month and a half. Oh, an ice bath. I found an ice bath. Mm-hmm. Body was craving cold. And I'd always thought about it, but I thought it was just fat. I watched people on Instagram doing their ice baths. And I was like, this is stupid. But I thought the Wim Hof dude was cool. And so I cooler and filled it with ice. And um, I think I gave myself hypothermia that night because oh my gosh, couldn't get enough ice to water ratio to think it was cold enough. And there was a temperature because we were going through COVID at that time and having to take our temperatures every day. Get the temp to like 41 degrees or something. I'm like, well, that's not 32. So everyone says you go in for like three to five minutes. I'm like, well, if it's 41 and it's supposed to be 32, I should probably go in for 15 minutes. Like I should probably just send it for about a half an hour. <laughs> so, so uh, I was in this kind of like, Oh man, it's funny. I got in this little kind of badass mode and every once in a while I get in these phases of tool. Do you listen to tool? No. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just really wild. It's it'll, it'll get you excited. So I put a 15 minute YouTube tool song on and I had like four for real panic attacks. And wow. then, and then that night, just, it took me like three hours. I didn't eat dinner that night. I was like, I had two pairs of pants on. I had all my blankets over me. I was trying to get warm again. I laid in the shower till it got cold. And, um, but that night I was wearing an aura ring. You ever, I know it. I, yeah. Yeah. I cracked my sleep and all my scores was, you know, it wasn't a, a low, a, a low F, but they were like low C's and D's. They give you percentages. Like my sleep scores suck. Right. They're usually around a 68%. And that night after the ice bath, I got an 87%. Wow. And I've had to deal with actually using like pharmaceutical stuff, depending on what phase that I've in with my sleep. And I was blown away that something so natural could have such a profound effect on the calm of my mind during my sleep stage. And it was just so rad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just got into this exploration of like, not knowing what I was actually doing, but doing what seemed correct and taking things out of my life that I had never really enjoyed, I guess you'd say. And then, I don't know, just getting creative and feeling weird and having fun with it. Yeah. Uh, And what's crazy at the end of it all was the way my body changed, actually. Like, I've still stayed it the same way, but I probably dropped like 15 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And at one point it became too skinny. I just wasn't eating enough. I, you know, when I've never been, I don't understand food portions and dieting and whatnot, but taking out white rice and kind of like the starches that was readily available and and just sticking to more natural foods. It was crazy. And I think the less booze, like one day I was in the gym and I looked at my face and like, holy shit, I can see the bones in my face. And it got me really curious as to, you know, what we put in our body, how the inflammation process works. So yeah, I had a lot of time to self-explore and that's kind of 
what was rad and then to go full circle i i got to work with a few people out there and like coach them mm-hmm. uh, surf sessions it was cool because i was there a couple people reached out and they're like hey would you help me there were other people there were people on yachts that came in but there was only like three or four of us out every session so like i was like yeah of course one guy I ended up working for I did, I did 85 hours with him during wow. the, and he, I didn't realize it, but he had a goal of getting barreled at this wave cloud break, which is one of the hardest places and things to do in surfing. I didn't understand that was one of his goals, but around hour 65, we accomplished that and watching him and getting to be a part of that journey and what it did to him. And like, it literally changed his life. I'm like, oh my God, now this is healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, I never saw myself as coaching. You know, what's funny. I thought of it as like a, um, I don't want to say failure, but like, I don't know. I was like coaching, like you could always coach. Like that's always available. I totally get you. It's just like, oh, you're just going to coach. You're just going to be a coach after you do your sport. Like I have that same kind of weird stigma around it, but like what I- I'm in coaching now, Alex, like, <laughs> you know, here I am. So we have PhDs in what we've done. Yeah. You know, surfing coaching is not cool. Like I've never had a coach ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's new in surfing The the people that are on tour have coaches now, but that started like five years ago. Like I never had a technique coach. I never had a competitive coach. Like all of mine was, was really done through trial and error. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly didn't realize a, how much I like to analyze surfing. I was doing it during my career, you know, within myself. It was just what needed to be done for me to, to get better. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how much purpose I was really putting behind, like, I'm going to analyze something. And so when I started being allowed into these people's journeys of surfing, yes, you realize that, um, surfing is really emotional. And people want to get better at surfing. But what's more important is helping people find their confidence Mm -hmm. and actual worth because you're dealing with a foreign entity, which is the ocean. Right. And it happens real quickly. You know, this thing approaches you. You have usually a couple seconds to decide if you're going to use it or not. And then it's gone Mm -hmm. and it's gone forever. And that's a wave. And what happens in those couple seconds is so wild. I've always been interested in the mind, especially my own cuckoo brain. Mm-hmm. I never got, I didn't like therapy. It was too strange and I, I was scared of it. But there were times that I really got into my own thought process. And with some of the work that I've done, it's allowed me to be able to see through people when they have moments where they're like, you know, the words like, I can't, it won't moments of, of frustration. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, we can change this like right now. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, literally like right now, you have the ability to undo all of this and perform. And a lot of times in surfing, it's like the word go, like just go, like to go yeah. and turn and, and take off and just simply ride a wave. It's not that. And I, what has actually attracted me to want to do this much longer than I expected, Mm -hmm. being a part of 
helping others understand that they and I always have the power to spin it back into our control. Mm -hmm. Control being a radical word, but our mind for sure we can control. Yes. Now at the end of the day, you know, surfing where that's what I'm, what I love so much about it is I live on a field that is ever changing and that's the most humbling aspect of it where you actually learn. And I swear the ocean teaches us because there's respect involved in consequences of, you know, the power of mother nature. Mm-hmm. I, I like love that. I'm still so intrigued by the ocean kicking my ass. It's, it's incredible. It's freaking awesome. So yeah, this coaching thing in the beginning, I was weary of, and now I'm just all in. I, I absolutely love it. And it is very fun to help with technique, but what I enjoy is getting earning the trust of somebody to allow me into their vulnerability, which is the truth behind why they're not accomplishing something. You know, it's not that they can't do the maneuver or they can't ride a wave of that size or whatever it is. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, what's going on? You know? And it's either something personally in their life that they're allowing to bleed into when they jump on their board and start paddling out for that session. Mm -hmm. Or it's something that they won't let go of. And I, and I want to know why. Yep. And then at the end of the day, I realize I always tell people, I'm like, look, when people, when I first started coaching, people are like, well, I can't ride the waves that you do. And I'm like, no, I don't want to take you to Chopu or Pipeline or Mavericks or I don't. And within there, like, I don't even want to work with elite athletes. Like I want, it was interesting. I found that I wanted to work with intermediate levels Mm -hmm. who were really willing to learn and had a mental capacity of not so much ego. Right. um, That is way more fun to work with. Mm-hmm. And then I thought my clientele would be like, I don't know, mid 20, 30 year olds. And it's like middle 50 year old, like male and females. Mm-hmm. And, and that was surprising. Um, so yeah, it's fun. I, I, uh, that Fiji thing did so much for me Yeah, in that it helped me find confidence to move forward in health mm-hmm. to be so worried about who I was hanging out with. And if I was doing enough social aspect of, you know, are, do those people like me enough still right, that right. out tonight and hang out and party or go to this event or whatever, right. you know, and I found the um, confidence to begin to wean off some relationships that were never going to be healthy for me. But I felt that even with my background of me being Alex, the pro surfer, I've had to implement myself to show people that no, 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 I, I want to show you I'm humble. Yes. And sometimes that's just showing up to even in front of people. And I'm like, dude, yeah, like, one of the most important things in my life has always wanted to remain like humble and normal and not come from a place of status in, in a social world and navigating that I think is really tough at times actually, because mm-hmm. people expect a lot from, I, I don't know if it's people that have had success or fame, but like all of a sudden you're like, dude, that's not even acceptable on your behalf. Like I'm just me. Yep. I've worked yeah. my ass for 
most of what I've had. I've had help along the way, had a great family support. I've got great parents. I got lucky there. I've had incredible mentors. Like I have not done this on my own. This has never been all about me, but like, I think now at this point, I'm willing to like, just say no to people and events or whatever that like, I seriously get anxiety even thinking about Mm -hmm. and showing that I'm like, screw that. Yeah. Yeah. Like if my identity is now gone as a pro surfer, well then I, I want to dive into like finding the grounding of just being me. Yes. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So it kind of sounds like, like you said, Fiji gave you like, just gave you a lot. And I'm hearing that there was a, an ability to kind of drop into stillness and settle into the experience that you were going through. And I'm hearing like you tapped into your intuition. I think you even said, like, I just got kind of like weird and like got to enjoy some things, you know, or try different things on or shed things that weren't serving me. And I think when you get that amount of time to spend with yourself in kind of an isolated, no doubt an isolated place, like a tiny Island, not surrounded by a lot of people, there's some serious self-discovery. I mean, it sounds like you were discovering kind of like your health and your well-being in certain ways, but like even how you were regulating your nervous system and, you know, calming the mind and experiencing and experimenting with like ice baths and diets and movement and even the amount of alone time. Like, I think that was something that was really interesting when I first retired, I had been on a team my whole life. My schedule had been packed my whole life and really just the thought of being alone was intimidating to me. And so, but there was no way that I was going to get to know myself or tap into, as you say, like me, you know, like who I am underneath the identity or, or what have you, or the noise or the hustle or the survival mode or the fear. There's no way to tap into that unless you sit still with yourself. And I had to learn that that wasn't a scary place. I did a a three days of silence. And when I came up my, you know, when I came up, you know, it's like coming up for air, but when we broke the silence, I was just so emotional because I found out that I could actually sit with myself and it wasn't dangerous and it wasn't scary. And it, it was no cell phone and stuff too. No cell phone. And you give up no eye contact. Like you don't look in the mirror. You don't look at anyone else in the eye. It's complete silence. So you're either sitting in meditation, eating in meditation, right? So you're really like thoughtful about how you're having your meals. You're walking in a meditative state. You know, you're really focusing on each step and you're in a group, like you're in a, a, like a school of fish. So like everyone's moving and experiencing it together, but there's no, so you feel like a deep connection, but like, you're not connecting on the way of eye contact or like body movements or facial expressions or things along those lines. So that was really profound. And I think I did that like a year and a half into my like rebirth, right. My, after my retirement and it was really, really profound. And I'm like, there's a little bit, you know, and I don't want to like project, but like, there's a little bit of your Fiji experience that kind of reminds me of a little bit of that learning lesson for myself of like, what was it to really slow down? And you did it for like a significant amount of time and cooked in a new program around it and learned about yourself and created some incredible habits that, you know, have been, it sounds like life altering and kind of changing in ways for you. And I think, you know, 
it's really neat to hear your perspective as a coach as well of like, I'm in it to build confidence and value in the individual and whatever is stopping them from fully showing up in either, uh, you know, dropping in or a certain move or a certain mindset or perspective paddling out at a certain spot. I want to know what's the truth underneath that. You're right on point with all of that. And I'm, I'm curious of, you know, what are you learning about yourself in regards to these perspectives that, and I know more than anyone, it's so much easier to do it for others. And it's damn challenging to do it for yourself. Like, how do you create that confidence and value in yourself and find balance in that and continue that? And how do you get to the truth underneath it for you when you are stopping yourself short or the saboteurs coming in? And what I'm hearing is this, this desire to help your clients become more whole in who they are so that they can perform at their best and show up at their best. And so my question is kind of like, how have you explored and managed doing that for yourself? And do you feel like your, I would say even your whole journey up into this point, but I mean, there's some significance in having this time to yourself in Fiji, like what's been your experience about becoming like, do you feel like you're becoming more whole? What does that even mean to you? How would you, how would you describe that experience for yourself? I think relatability is really important. And in a coaching aspect, when you're truly allowed into someone's world, trust, seriously, trust is the most important thing. If you want to get real results, there has to be trust from each other because I'm asking somebody to step out of their comfort And I'm also asking them to do something that they don't most likely feel like are capable of. And then understanding the boundaries within pushing somebody into their next level is actually the most important thing for me, right? Because I think you start opening Pandora's box, you push someone too far and too far too much too soon, you're done. Right. When I use the word relatability, because I never had a coach, I'm well aware of everything that I did right and everything I did wrong along the way. And when I began projecting my skills and knowledge on somebody, I realized that, or what I want it to be realized is that it's something that's actually coming from me and a personal experience. Mm -hmm. I'm not coaching based off of something I saw somebody else do, something that I read, something that I think is correct. It comes from true, genuine self. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the technique's easy. What I've been learning from coaching within myself is it's really interesting, either in the moment, there's things that I say to someone or later that night, it'll just pop back in my head. And I sit and reflect about why at that time that statement was used, right? Because you're trying to trigger someone. Mm-hmm. You're trying to flip a switch on. And, and in my line of work, it, it's, it's impulsive and quick and needs to happen. Right. And, and how to do that enough that the light stays on, right? It's not flickers and moments where, the, where your client has found a moment of bliss and happiness and accomplishment. It's how do they walk off the field or how do they paddle in that day going, I am a new surfer. Mm -hmm. right? That is now, there's no regression. 
because they have found that, yeah, that's, that's them now, mm-hmm. you know, we've moved into a right. new faith. Mm-hmm. There's no, but I am, I was, I, you know, I'm like, no, no, no. Now you've done that. Like we're done. It's time for you to be this. Right. And, and it's fun. What I realized within that is I'm like, dude, am I doing that for myself? Mm-hmm. I'm ultimately doing is wanting to uplift somebody, enhance their life, not the session, not the wave, but like literally like, can I make your life better? Right. That's a cool goal to have when led into someone's personal space. I think that that's my big picture goal whenever I get the chance to help somebody that I believe in, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, you're getting paid for your service, but like, I don't like working with people that I don't have a connection with. Right. The, okay, potential, but like there needs to be will, right? There needs to be will. And also, a bit of humility to like, yeah, let go of whatever it is they're holding on to mm-hmm. and feel graciously, you know, and yeah. all of those things. I'm like, Oh God, yes. You know, I've had a few people come into my life where I'm like, Ooh, you're my dream. Yep. And, and now my goal is to work with less people more intensely. Mm-hmm. And and that and get like actual results. When I first started coaching, just seeing someone once was cool, but I I like almost felt used. Yeah, I was like, shit. So like, is that it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you definitely need someone who's willing and shows up to do the work. You know, being a coach is not just about you showing up with the game plan or the practice plan or having all the tools. You really need a willing participant and. It, you know, more than anyone as you know, anyone who's done anything over a long period of time, you, you can't just show up for one session. That's just a bolt of inspiration or motivation or just a taste. You, you can't do anything in one session. I'm like minimum six sessions or like not at all. Right. Because it takes a bit to one, create the trust that you're speaking about. And then two, to like really get settled into what the craft that it is that you're looking to enhance or, or learn in, in general, I'm hearing you use words like grace and letting go, like surrender, grace, and, and willingness. And again, I think what I'd want to come back to is how are you experiencing that in your own life and what allows you to hold yourself accountable to give yourself grace and to surrender in moments. Well, I mean, to go full circle here, the dumbest decision that I was going to make was to surf less or like when I yeah. brought the, uh, change, that was the dumbest thing I've done within this journey. We all, I don't know. I hope everyone has a passion mm-hmm. in life that allows them because you bring up words like this surrender, you know, like all this work, there needs to be a space where we can mindlessly go that is full of fun, yep. challenge, living in the moment, you know, surfing for me, there's nothing else I've ever done that brings me such happiness. It is, you know, happy place. Like you will see me turn into a freak when I surf <laughs> because I get so filled with excitement. It's over. I just lose my mind. It's just so damn fun. I love it. <laughs> and I had a session recently when I was, there's two parts to this. 
I was down in Mexico. I, I did two months of coaching work. And one of the sessions, there were just these fun little barrels. And I got one wave and there was some stranger and I literally paddled past him and I'm all, I threw up a high five and he's like, what? And I slapped his hand. I'm like, this is it. I was like, this is why we do this. And I, and I just remember him looking at me like I was batshit crazy. And I'm, and I thought about it later. I'm like, he must think I'm the craziest person in the world. But like, I just go to that place. And now when I'm there, I'm, you know, when I was doing it for a career, it was readily available. And I was at the best level you could ever do it at going to the greatest waves in the world, Mm -hmm. whenever I wanted, however I wanted. And now when I work with others, I need to remove that because it's not about me anymore. Mm -hmm. And when I coach, I think I am being told now that like, I don't catch waves when I am out with a client because usually the wave that I want to catch is the wave that I should be getting them on. Right. They're like, you go. And I'm like, no, I was like, this is not my time. I am out here in all aspects that are you, you know, people be like, but I want to see you do something. I'm like, there'll be a time and place for that, but I just don't coach that way. Yeah. And so what's been a healthier way of letting go of me having surfing at my fingertips for a very, very long time at the highest level that you could imagine in the, (laughs) I think, greatest levels that, you know, at times I was creating it's much easier to let go when you're in service and there's way more of a wholesome feeling of me not needing to be so selfish in providing happiness for others Mm. because I know what it's done for me and knowing what's still available for my clients in a mental capacity and honestly in like a serotonin level Mm -hmm. of that place that we have this surfboard that can seriously get us through life. Yeah. I need that to be a part of anybody's journey that I work with, because that's the most important thing. Now that I realize getting to experience every aspect of this surf world, Mm -hmm. what I'm most grateful for now is simply having it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my journey is never going to be someone else's, but I sure as hell will put as much as I can on it being a place to go to, um, you know, make life easier. Yeah. As we're experiencing crazy times. Okay, fine. We don't even need to get into that, mm-hmm. but like, seriously, we need tools that don't need to be so critical on, on the amount of effort and work, right? The self-work is life. Mm-hmm. Need to indulge and divulge whenever you can, but too much is too much. So you need to have a tool that is mindless, that has benefits. And I think that there's no better place to do it than mother nature. It's free. Yep. Right. Seeking professional help, please do it. Especially if it works for you, like therapy is incredible, but like, let's remind ourselves that we're human. We were born in nature, like just getting out of your house. Mm -hmm. If you're not an adrenaline junkie like me or somebody that needs movement and exercise, like, Oh, being in mother nature is amazing. that's where I'm like serving is the best thing in the world. There's so much to it that it can be whatever you want. And in a coaching aspect, I'm always 
continually trying to evolve with my client of what it is they're needing in their life from surfing. Mm. Forced to challenge and meet their marks and goals. But like, seriously, like we have this, it's a gift. Yeah. I think it's really up to each individual on how we use such a gift. And that's where I'm like, you know, just stoked to be a surfer at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I like don't care as much about Alex, the pro surfer. And I, it's so funny. I see trophies and stuff now where it used to like kind of get me off. And I look at him and I'm like, yeah, that was cool. That was a fun part of life. Yeah. But I actually find myself like moving forward from Mm -hmm. the attack to, um, all of this crap. And me, look, I'm very proud of myself. I actually, because I was living in a space that was constantly like, what's next, especially in the surf career, because you have to, you're only as, you're only as good as your next accomplishment in that world. You know, you're living yearly contracts. Like it's very cutthroat. Mm-hmm. I am actually reflecting now on things that I've done, which I never did before. I'm like, holy crap. Like be incredible. Oh, like I did that. Yeah. You know, could I? that again yeah do I need to do that again in my life that's the thing that I'm realizing now that's pretty cool I'm like I don't really need to yeah yeah allowing grounding to move forward in a actual I think sustainable lifestyle that just sounds so wonderful I'm like balance sustainable lifestyle groundedness like it's so interesting as an elite athlete, you're trained to, like you said, you're always, you're you're only as good as your next thing, right? So you're really training yourself or you are trained to be on, but nobody teaches us how to train to turn it off. Right. Mm -hmm. It's almost like someone like flipped the switch, turned it on and then left us like running in the front yard, just like idling. And it's like, ah, how do we stop this thing? And so I think I've really have had to work on how do you turn it off. Cause you're just, you're trained to be on the whole time at yeah. such a high intense oh, intensity. No. Yeah. Turning it off is uh that'll be the life journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just, it's not even about turning it off. Right. But just seeking that balance in what you're talking about. And I'm, you know, it's like, it's ongoing, it's ongoing. It's that we don't fully arrive to that. I don't believe it's going to be constantly evolving and, taking a step back and doing that internal coaching and what you're talking about. So last question I want to ask you here, Alex, is what, what does identity mean to you from this point? Like from the space that you're in right now, what does identity mean to you? Mm, Removing that word whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Like identity. It's, it's, I mean, I think as humans, we're, we should be evolving and ever changing as life has its unexpected roads Yep. and being open to learning so that the next unexpected moment isn't as harsh mm-hmm. and, and having patience, knowing that, you know, it's a longer road than we think. And I think that happiness needs to be simplified. Mm-hmm. Um, my life has been very intricate. I'm really hard on myself, but I've always put pressure on myself and learning to be softer mm-hmm. and kinder to myself mm-hmm. has been really important. You know, I think it's that thing of, you know, helping others is easy, like you said, but what are you doing for yourself? Yeah. 
and I look at myself and I watch people, you know, break down and I, I watch them self-sabotage and beat themselves up. I'm like, oh my God, like it's hard to watch people do that. And then I go, I do that. Yeah. And I'm like, what, why, you know? So I'm trying to pick avenues now that the, the happiness isn't the end result. Mm-hmm. So much of my self-worth was based off of completing a goal, yep. placing first, getting the cover, being in the video, blah, 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 blah right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the not sustainable part. You cannot live that way. So I'm like, dude, pick happiness daily yep. and find the smaller things in life, the little wins that are, will, you know, every day make me just stoked to be here. And I think that I'm on a journey now that I'm probably going to be the happiest that I've ever actually been. Mm, yeah. I'm not there yet, but I'm finding the capacity to do it without what has been everything. Yep. And there's a lot of humor in it, to be honest. <laughs> I am becoming more and more willing to laugh at myself mm-hmm. and not myself so seriously. I think that's really freaking important. I think it's easier for people to be around me in that aspect. Yeah. And kind of just like fuck, feeling the sun every day. Yeah. And just totally. Like, you know, something in Fiji I realized I was doing was walking with my head down and looking at the ground. I'm like, the hell are you doing? And it's because I'm always in thought. Yeah. Wondering and worrying and all this shit. I'm like, dude, you are tripping. Yeah. If you're not head high seeing what's immediately around you. Like if, if I get to that place, I know that I'm not in a good place and it's time to really start going into the Rolodex of like tools Mm -hmm. because yeah, we should just be stoked. Yeah. And surrounding myself with good people. Like I want to be around people that force me to put in the extra work, stay healthy, push my comfort in, you know, relationships or whatever it is to like be more of the human aspect than this kind of bullshit thing that I don't think was ever actually like a person, right? you know, like, and the most interesting thing has been like, I was scared shitless on my Instagram, like becoming more personal, not having these beautiful pictures to post and videos of performing all this stuff. And like, it's pretty rad when you realize like, you don't have to be that. And people are, are actually open to meeting you, the person after all this time. And they're yeah. like, dude, you too. I'm like, what do you mean me too? I've been this the whole freaking time. Yes. I thought that I needed to be a superhero that had no baggage that didn't, that wasn't normal, all this shit. I'm like, that's crazy. All of these aspects of my faults in life are like, who make me who I am. And if we're on a public platform, not showing people the reality of our struggles, like that's unfair Mm -hmm. bullshit, because that's how you get people and these kids this day and age who are struggling at life as like 10 year olds, because they're being exposed to perfect people. Yep. And I'm such bullshit. That person's not perfect, nor should that person even have the ability to influence you because of their bullshit. Mm-hmm. Really, if you get to a point of having a uh, following, like I think everybody should be doing something to like give back or show because well, I think we have the ability to kind of be a part of this movement where I look at kids and I'm like, can you believe that kid? Blah, blah, blah. And 
the way he treats his parents and the way he walks, I'm like, is that because of me? Yeah. Like interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, all of it, Alex, like just wrapping up this conversation with you and being able to see the growth that you have gone through, how, like, as you've earned your successes in your surfing career, you have earned the feelings and the experiences that you're having today through kind of your hard work, your willingness to lean in your vulnerability has absolutely been a gift, like hands down, whether it's on your social media platform, on the stages that you speak on, or even just sharing your insight and your experiences on a podcast or over a cup of coffee with a friend in the morning. I've always, always valued your perspective and your words and the way that you look at things differently. And I am just so pleased to have had the morning with you to talk and to chat about the things that you, how you're growing and evolving and how I can think about that in regards to my own experience. And I know that this is, this is an important episode. I'm excited to share it. And I think about the world that I come from and athletes and, you know, the, the transitions that we go through. And, you know, I love this idea of, of, kind of dropping the ego, the ego clings to identity. Right. And so this idea of dropping the word identity in all, and just finding the simplicity and happiness, you know, as as simple as feeling the sun on your skin in the morning or looking up and it's just, it's all great. And I appreciate you. I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of me. I'm, you know, I'm just excited to be able to be in this position and have this conversation with you today. So thank you so much for your time and your words and I'll keep a lookout for you. What's what's next? You know, it's like, keep being great and inspiring. And I think even too, like, this is any client that you potentially will take on, send them this episode. It's so awesome to hear your insight and your perspective in coaching and what you're looking to get out of each client. So I'm wishing you the best of luck in everything that you're doing moving forward. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I think the way that we connected on this, and I don't even know how we, I think maybe when we were hanging at the O'Donnell's one night, we actually got into a conversation like, oh my God, you're like me. Yeah. But it allowed like us to kind of start talking. And for those people listening, like I've called you a, a few times where I just needed to wrap out with somebody of your like mentality to, to be like, hey, I'm like, don't know what to do. And I got this and you for many times have been super helpful in the conversations that we've had. So I think it's epic that you're doing the podcast and all you're doing. I've I've found that you're very intelligent at helping people figure out what it is they're actually looking to do, you know, or where their strength is within an idea. A lot of my ideas are just crazy and they're so And, I, and I've gotten to talk to you and it's really honed a lot of things in. And you're also very good at pushing people confidently out the door. So yeah, you've been super helpful to me and I appreciate that and the friendship. So thanks for everything. And cool to be on your podcast as well. Likewise. I appreciate you, Alex.
Thank you to those who joined us today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with professional surfer and coach Alex Gray. On this episode, we discussed the transition out of professional athletics, ego and identity, healing and health, coaching approaches around building confidence and value, and getting curious to learning the truth underneath the resistance in yourself and others. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take the opportunity to share with a friend, follow Mindful Warrior Radio, and leave a review. To learn more about Mindful Warrior and Mindful Warrior Radio, please follow us on Instagram at The Real Mindful Warrior and check out our website at www.mindfulwarrior.com. I look forward to our next discussion here on Mindful Warrior Radio.